You know, he calls it, you're already awesome. Get out of your own way. And it's really about how if you stop thinking about everything that can go wrong, you tend to have things go right. You're going to have a much better time with this. You get into this mental flow. And when you remove all of those what ifs, that's where I find you really see that success. Welcome to another edition of the Peak Performance Selling Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to bring my guest, Jake Shapiro, on the line with us. Jake is based out of San Francisco and is a big beer guy. He's actually the one that really turned me on to start drinking beers that are a little bit fancier than maybe the standard Coors Light or Bud Light that I may tend to drink. He's also, aside from being a big beer drinker, has been at HubSpot for about four years now with about 150% plus quota attainment since he's been here as he's traveled through a handful of different roles. He was our top BDR in the world in his first year in HubSpot and then also the number one North America channel sales rep in the second quarter of 19. So he has been crushing it for us as well as really working internally with teams on sales strategy, our team lead program and sales panel, and a lot of other things to really help drive the culture within our channel sales program. So Jake, really excited to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. So uh, I'm really curious to hear about your journey as you've really got a chance to step through a few different roles in HubSpot in our our sales ecosystem in this channel program. And, And I guess where I'd like to start before we even go into your HubSpot journey is, how'd you end up getting into sales? It's a good question. So I think like many people in sales, I didn't necessarily, you know, grow up and and as a as a kid say, I'm gonna be a sales rep when I grow up, right? I think it, it was more so for me as I went through my time in college, I realized that being a top performer was something I cared about in terms of, you know, in, in school and getting good grades, achieving, you know, scoring well and being recognized for it. I was always a competitive person. I was really into, you know, both playing sports and watching sports growing up. And I found myself just really interested in in human nature. So why people make decisions and that came down to why they buy what they buy. So sales for me was a, you know, mentality shift in, as I looked at a career, but it aligned with everything that I was interested in and passionate about. That's how I found myself here. Wow, I really love that. So as you've had a chance to kind of spend a lot of time in sales, talk to us a little bit about the arc of your career, kind of the progression and the different roles that you've had within HubSpot. Yeah, definitely. So starting out at HubSpot, I was a business development representative. So BDR, very common entry point for sales coming out of an undergrad is basically dialing, creating opportunities and drumming up new business for uh, account executives and reps on the team. So that's where I started in sales. And you know, it was basically work hard and you'll be successful. And that's one of those roles where it's all about the grind, the determination and, and having your eyes on the prize because it's probably the least fun or rewarding part of sales. So I did that for just about a year. I worked really hard at it. I was I was pretty successful in it and then transitioned into being a full cycle sales rep. So an account executive. For me, I've always been on our channel side here at HubSpot. So focused on working with agency providers of services, basically people who work with their clients to utilize HubSpot. 
And they're often selling their clients on why HubSpot's a good fit for their business. So my first role was getting more of those partners into HubSpot's ecosystem. I had the Midwest as my territory. So identifying uh, good fit businesses in what I think of as the Big Ten Sports Conference that were basically a good fit and looking for uh, clients that would be a fit for HubSpot. I did that for about a year and realized that I wanted to work with those businesses. So here at HubSpot, we have two different roles. One set of people bringing those new partners on. And then another group that works with those existing partners and talks through their sales strategy and which of their clients are a fit. And then that's the channel account manager role. I've been doing that for about a year and a half now and working with a group of, you know, 25 or 30 partners to really help them understand the value HubSpot can bring to their clients. I love that. And I think it's really cool as so many folks in sales have had that progression of, you know, BDR to account exec to now, you know, moving into this kind of full channel management role and really working to, you know, support folks kind of in this sales rep, but also sales manager approach, I think it is really interesting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, Jordan, I actually had a manager, my first manager once said, he said to me, being a business development rep is actually really important for your long-term sales skills and your ability to manage people. Because if I think back, you know, when I was a business development rep, I worked with eight different reps who I was setting appointments for, checking in on the quality of those, understanding how I could help them be more successful in their meetings. And now as I think about you know, managing my book of partners, it's largely the same. Right? They're my reps. They're out there getting those opportunities. And I'm still saying, you know, how can I help and support you in being successful? So I actually think that BDR role is really helpful for anyone looking at sales long term. I'm sure nobody's given you the back when I was a BDR speech in sales. Right. And it's so funny how true that is of just really building a lot of those fundamental skill sets that are a lot of times a pain in the ass to get motivated for, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but also Mm -hmm. are the foundation of success. Sales really is a numbers game. And I think as you work with these partners, especially uh, as a big part of that role is helping coach these folks on their sales skills. Having that experience is just so, so, so valuable. And I guess as you've hopped through a couple of these different roles, you know, you were number one BDR in the entire company around the world. What do you think are some of the, the similarities or skills that you've seen to really help you be successful, whether it's mentally or whether it's, you know, actually just like picking up the phone every day? How do you think as you've gone through these different roles, what has helped you be successful? Or what have you seen across others that has helped them be successful? Yeah, I, you know, I think there are a couple of things, core, I guess, competencies as a salesperson. I think you've got to be fearless, and I think you've got to be ready to lose all the time. You're going to call, email, reach out to so many people who won't respond or who won't be interested. But you got to be fearless. Most rejection isn't that hard. You know, you just got to reach out and and know you can help people. And then you got to be willing to lose. You know, you're going to get a lot of no's. And one of the things that I've always thought about there is if you're going to be the world's best at anything, you're still going to lose a lot of the time. 
right? So I went to Duke and I think a lot about Duke basketball here. Everyone knows Duke basketball, love them or hate them. They win a lot of games. They also lose not many games, but some of those really important ones, right? So if you look at the history of national championships, how many championships everyone's won, Duke has won five national championships. The NC2A tournament has been around for 80 years. Five out of 80 is an extremely low success percentage, right? But when we look at the best, that's who we think about. So you've got to be willing to lose way more than you win just to get those big wins and those successes. I love that. I think that is so true. And where I love the connection of between you know sports and sales. Uh, I think so much of they talk about sports because maybe Yogi Berra somewhere along the lines of you know baseball is what does he say ninety percent mental and ten percent physical. I think he had an even better quote than that. But it, it's something where so much of what happens is in your head. So much of sales is you may be a good, a great sales rep and you close three out of 10 deals that you have an opportunity with every time. And so I think that's a, a really, really great mindset to have, especially looking at somebody like Duke, who is really revered as one of the best programs in the nation. Coach K is one of the best coaches in the history of college or professional basketball with what he's done with the Olympic team. And so seeing that yet they still don't hit the pinnacle of championship that frequently is a really fascinating thing and probably helpful as you fall back on thinking about being successful. And I love this thought of fearlessness. I haven't thought about it like that before. I guess, can you just expand a little bit more on fearlessness as my wheels are starting to turn there? What does that mean to you more? Yeah, I, I think to me, it means, you know, ripping off that band-aid, right? So to speak. So you're going to have you know, in my context, you're going to have calls that you're afraid of. You're going to have months you know you're going to lose and fall short. You're going to have demos where you say, geez, this really isn't going to go well. Or I'm afraid that they won't buy because... And you got to remove all those things from your head. Get yourself into the right headspace. Put your best foot forward every single one of those times. And fear is only something that's going to hold you back there. You know, you really got to visualize success. It's something I think I should, I wish I did even more of is that visualizing, you know, what do I want to have happen? Replaying that in my head. And when you do that, that tends to be the outcome more often than not. Yeah. Now, the, the, the neuroscience behind all the visualization stuff is fascinating, is how your brain and body don't really know the difference of something you visualize in your head versus you actually doing that thing. That's where you see so much of that training with Olympic athletes and other folks where, you know, I remember looking back at, I think the gymnasts are a great example where you get to watch them go through their routine, mostly in their heads or maybe standing still moving their arms. But that is what actually conditions their brain to find that success more frequently, which I think is a really great thing. And a little bit on the flip side of that is I think anybody that's been in sales for, oh, even a couple of months has seen a lot of people not make it. And so what are some of the things that you think separate folks that you've seen really perform at the top of their game versus maybe folks that really haven't made it or, or just haven't been as successful? Yeah, I think it's about 
putting in those inputs and not being afraid of that rejection, like I was talking about. You know, I find that a lot of people who fall short in sales or aren't successful, they they truly don't put in the effort or the grind or where they do, they're not going about it the right way. You know, sales is a numbers game, but I've never found a spray and pray approach to be particularly successful. If anyone's unfamiliar with that, it's basically, you know, I've got a thousand different people, a list of them, no idea who would be a good fit. But if I reach out to all thousand of them, someone's bound to buy. Some people find that to be very successful. I've never really used that mentality. I prefer to take a list of a thousand, say, all right, who are the best 50 or 100 people on this list and reach out to them with more specific messaging, right? Even still, out of those 100, maybe only three four are going to buy, right? But at least I'm specific, I'm targeted, I have some outreach. So I think, you know, putting in that prep work is a lot of it. Prep before a call, doing research, and then actually executing, not getting so bogged down in having every little bit organized for you. Just kind of go, flow. You know, it goes back to that fear that gets into your head. I was recently... uh listening to a TED Talk. My dad showed it to me. I know you're a big TED Talk guy. You've, you've probably listened to this one yourself already, especially since it's on mindfulness. But uh, oh, exactly. Judson Brewer, so he has a TED Talk on, uh, you know, he calls it, you're already awesome. Get out of your own way. And it's really about how if you stop thinking about everything that can go wrong, you tend to have things go right. You're going to have a much better time with this. You get into this mental flow. And when you remove all of those what ifs, that's where I find you really see that success. Man, I love that. And what'd you say his name was again for the TED Talk? Yeah, Judson Brewer. Judson Brewer. All right. That, that's definitely one that I'll, I'll have to uh, put in the show notes and watch for myself because I don't think I've actually watched that one yet. Really good one. And I, I think there's so much to that of people just selling themselves short. You know, I, I think that's one of the things that I've seen between folks that really stand out. And, and there's a balance where you use some negativity to help create momentum, to help create some force to actually make you take action. But I think if you sit in that for way too long, it can paralyze you, you know, just as much as fear probably ties right into that. I, I think you got to. I think you have to take control of your own successes and your own failures and adjust to them. I mean, I think it was actually you you who once told me, you don't get lucky or unlucky every time, right? So in sales especially, there are things that are out of your control, whether or not someone ends up purchasing, uh, you know, what their budgets look like global pandemics, right? These are things that we certainly can't control. But I can control my research, my input. And sometimes I'll get lucky. Sometimes I'll get unlucky. But continued success is about focusing on those, those inputs and those controllables. I totally, totally agree with you there. And as I've interviewed and talked to some folks, I think really one of the big keys mentally is how do you focus on what you can control? I've spent many hours not doing that and seeing the negative repercussions. And so I I love hearing that point. And I guess to to kind of dig into that, maybe even a little further is 
when you think about what you do in a given day beyond just sitting at the computer or you know dialing or clicking a button to dial a phone like what routines do you have in your life that you think help you maintain that optimism that you know ability to be successful and to set yourself up to take advantage of luck when it does fall into your lap yeah i think the first thing i want to say about that is it's different for everyone right so Nothing I'm going to say is the magic bullet to a successful routine or, or how to build these things and, and create a successful routine for yourself. But, and I've, you know, changed over time, tried to add things and, and not always stuck with them. But some of the things that I really focus on are calling one specific play and executing on it. So for me, I feel like here at HubSpot, at least, I have all of the resources that I need in order to sell. We've got a great product. We've got a great marketing team bringing me leads. Our sales enablement team is giving me views, templates, etc. There's almost too much noise, right? That's not, not necessarily the case for everyone, but at least that's the position I'm in. And what I need to do from there is figure out how to spend my time, right? So I break my day down. I organize my calendar. I tend to work better in the evenings than in the mornings. I know some people, they'll wake up at 6 a.m. They'll start sourcing accounts to call later that morning. I do the exact same thing, but I do it the night before. Or I'll even send out an email at midnight, but schedule it to go out at 7 in the morning once people are more in their working hours. So I'm not afraid to work in the evenings, especially doing admin work, trying to organize my next day. I'd prefer to do that than over the weekend. I know others certainly spend weekends doing that. And then I, I'm quite diligent about actively listening, asking questions, and taking notes because my days get really busy. Right now, my house is busy. My mind is scattered. So I like to be able to have notes to go back and look at or reference later. Other people choose to do that with call recordings, right? But I think it's really important to focus on what's ahead of you, but keep that context as you move forward, right? So don't, don't lose prior conversations and end up backtracking. Or you're just going to spend longer on everything. As much as you can streamline every single conversation, every single outreach point to make yourself the most efficient, that's where you're successful. How do you build that into a day or a week is just repetition, right? Mm -hmm. So don't do something one day and never do it again. Do it today. Do it again tomorrow. Do it again two days after that. Be consistent with every motion you're choosing. It's, what, what's the saying? It takes 30 days to create a habit. Is that right? I think it might even take 21, longer. 21, 30, 60. There's a lot of differing wisdom on there. But it definitely, to your point, doesn't happen in one day. My, my 2018 New Year's resolution was to start flossing. My 2019 New Year's resolution was the same. It's 2020 and I'm still not doing it. So it, you got to be consistent with anything you do. I think that's more important than how exactly you structure it. So many people have told me, block off every day from 4 to 5 p.m. for prospecting. That doesn't work for me. It might work great for you. Instead, I organize myself. Once a week for two hours, I'll do sourcing. 
The next morning for two hours, I'll send emails. And two days later, I'll follow up with a call. It's just about having something consistent that you can stick to. And that's where that success comes from. I love that. It's, it's really funny you say that too, because as you probably know, I'm a big Seth Godin fan. Okay. And he has this blog that is pretty prolific. And uh, there's a blog post that I continually kind of feed back into my inbox that's titled Streaks. And I recommend it, anybody reads it. If you just Google Seth Godin blog Streaks, and he talks about you know starting it off is today's the 11th year in a row of daily posts on this blog. Nearly 5 million words since my first post 20 years ago. Yeah. And I haven't missed a day, given some time zone wiggle room since 2008. And he sent this out in 2019. So 11 years of every single day. And to just go through this, he says, streaks are their own reward. Streaks create internal pressure that keeps streaks growing. And streaks require commitment at first. But then the commitment turns into a practice and the practice into a habit. Habits are much easier to maintain than commitments. I'm pretty sure that the blog would still have an impact if I missed a day here or a day there. But once a commitment is made to a streak, the question shifts from, should I blog tomorrow? To what will tomorrow's blog say? And once you've made that shift, it becomes 100 times easier to find the voice you're looking for. He says, I didn't set out to have this particular streak. I don't remember the day the blog went from most days to every day, but I'm glad to have gone on this journey. Thanks for being a part of it. And I think to your point there is if all of a sudden our mental chatter moves away from, should I prospect today? Should I source today? To how will I prospect today? Or who will I prospect into? That just makes it so much easier to actually get into that motion of, okay, great. Now I'm prospecting every day. So I think that's really huge as you think about you know what is it that works for you. And I think there's a couple really great points that we can pull out of there of building some self-awareness and understanding that, you know what, it sounds like you are much more effective later in the evening than you are in the morning. Where I am, I am trying to build a habit of being more productive in the evenings and really doing a poor job at it so far. But I think that's where I'm really optimizing my morning time and trying to I, figure out where that is. And then for you, as you think about, you know, how do you set yourself up for success? What does that look like? And I think the point that you mentioned that I really love is it's not the silver bullet and it's going to change and evolve over time. And giving yourself permission to do that, I, I think are really, really fantastic points as you think about some of the routines that you bring to the table or how you operate and, and make yourself successful. You know, I think when, when we think about sales, specifically, right? We can think about building good habits and we can think about breaking bad habits. Mm. So much easier to build good habits, right? So if you're the kind of person you already wake up in the morning and you're productive, build upon that. If you were normally productive at 8am, try to be productive at 7.45. Try to be productive at 7.30. Build on to that good habit, right? If you have a bad habit of six o'clock comes around, there's no chance you're doing anything anymore. I'm going to sign off. I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to go enjoy myself. That's okay, right? Focus on where you can build upon your current strengths. And most of the time, that's enough. I think there are some really great nuggets of wisdom here that I'm excited to listen back to and share with some of our listeners. A couple other things that I... I'm curious to, to hear some of your perspective on that. I always love asking people about, and I can see an answer already from what you just said, but 
you mentioned sales, you're not going to win the championship every time. You're not going to be number one every month. And some months you may be the very bottom. And so when you have a tough day or month or maybe even a quarter or year, what are you doing to help stay buoyant or bounce back from, from those tough times? The exact same thing I do when I have a great month. And, and that's the key to this, right? Is going back to Duke basketball and Coach K, you know, one of the big things he talks about is his next play, right? And whether that's you just won the championship and you're focused on next season, or you just lost the biggest game of the year, but you've got another one two or three days from now, right? Your mentality always has to be what's next. So you talk about missing. I don't miss often. It's March 31st. I'm going to miss this month. And I actually think I'm going to miss my quarterly number too. I don't think I've ever missed my quarterly number here at HubSpot. So what am I doing? I'm focusing on what April 1st looks like. That's tomorrow. I'm putting together prospecting. I'm figuring out how I can reach out. And I would be doing the exact same thing when last year again, I was rep of the quarter. You just got to consistently have that exact same input of who who can I talk to? Who can I have conversations with? What can I keep moving forward? If you don't have anything to move forward, find more. Always be finding more. Whether you feel like you've got enough to you know, keep that steam running and finish on top, keep going. Be hungry for more no matter where you are. And don't focus too much on the output. Obviously, it matters. That's where the money is going to come from at the end of the day. But if, but if that's where you're focused, it's not going to be there. You've got to start from the beginning. And again, whether, whether you're going to miss or whether you're going to hit and overachieve, that's the difference between someone who consistently misses and someone who gets a miss every once in a while. I love that. Now, I, I want to dig in just a little bit more on the mental side of it because I'm curious if you would say that like you you get it sounds very easy to do to like yep I'm just going to do the same things and even you know maybe after a tougher quarter tougher start to the year do you get down mentally at all uh, certainly I mean I think I get down mentally more often than I even get up mentally right I think I'm I'm more upset about my failures than I am excited when I close a big deal or have a great time. I certainly get down. It's about being able to shake from that, right? So plenty of things you can do. It's going to be different for everyone. But I think it's about getting back to a grounded state, not about getting back to that elevated state, not about getting back to, yeah, I have that good feeling or that rush again. But back to that kind of normal, steady, things that really help with that, meditation. I know you're a big fan of that. We've meditated together. I wish I meditated more. Me too. <laughs> going, going for a run, you know, exercising. Yeah. Definitely something that gets you more in that heightened state, but can also help you know, get rid of some of that stress, that anxiety. Taking all, all those things, bringing you down are those same things that are getting in your way. And once you can remove them, that's when you can get back into that flow. I love that. I would also say maybe uh, playing with the dog, taking the yep. dog out for a little bit. That That's one of my bounce backs. And I know when I see you on Instagram, seeing Hugo hopping on there is, uh, I think, one of the great ways to, again, just 
I liked how you said shake that state, you know, shake, shake yourself out of it. Speaking of dogs, I mean, if you've ever watched a dog, that's exactly what they do, actually. Anytime, anytime you see them get anxious, heightened, anything like that, wake up from a nap where they've been tired, first thing they do is stretch and physically shake. And, and that's what you're looking to do as well. Mind blown right here. I don't think you could have made a, a better analogy <laughs> as it's something that we all see. And I, I, as I work with folks on, you know, meditation or, or even just some more kind of mental awareness and controlling the state that they're in, I actually have people physically shake out their body. And most people think it's the goofiest thing they've heard or seen, but I'm going to start telling them, look at what dogs do and look yeah. at how happy they are all the time. So I, I yeah. think that's a great point. <laughs> Something that's a, a, a little different perspective here, but I'm really curious to learn from folks, whether you're an individual contributor, a manager, people leader, whatever it may be, is as you've had different managers you've worked with, different leaders, what are some of the skills that have really helped you build a strong relationship or to help you really feel connected to wanting to go to bat for that manager or that person? Like, what have they done from a leader's perspective that has really helped you want to go above and beyond for them? Yeah. I think that the great leaders, managers, really anyone who I've ever viewed as a, a role model personally and professionally, they do a great job of identifying what matters to you to the person that they're managing or coaching or working with, figuring out what really matters to that person and how they can help them with it, right? So removing those personal priorities of the manager and what's going to make them successful and identifying what is this mutual goal that we can work towards? How can I help you get there? And that's the question I always ask my partners, you know, what matters to you and how can I help? And I think it's, it's what good managers ask. And then truly caring and investing that that gets done. Some parts of it are going to be fun. Some parts of it are going to feel really uplifting. And some parts of it are going to be really challenging. You're going to feel like the person who just has to do cleanup, right? Who has to just remove roadblocks. But it's all about making it so that that other person can be successful and win and knowing what success and winning means to them. Right. Mm. That's going to be different to different people. They should all align with those, you know, team goals of being a top seller, overachieving. If yep. not, there's probably an issue here. But everyone's motivated for a different reason. And figuring out that reason is, is crucial in a good leader. And what's that reason for you then? Oh God, I knew you were gonna ask that one. It's that it's that fear of failure. It really is. It's that motivation by success, that wanting to win. For me, it's not as much about the money or even the recognition. It's more of a I hold myself to a high standard and like to consistently be there. So having managers who trust me to get there and don't feel they need to push me, but more so asking me, how can I help you be there? What do you need from me? That's what allows me to be there. And, you know, otherwise I get into that negative state. I get out of my flow and good leaders keep me from getting there or help me get out of it uh, faster. Hmm. I love that. It's funny hearing you talk about this because it reminds me of one of my favorite sales interview questions, which I'm thinking maybe should even be a podcast question here. But, and, and you've already given us the answer, but 
favorite question I got asked when interviewing for a sales gig was, do you love winning more or hate losing? And so it sounds like for you, you hate losing. I hate losing. And that's different for different people. I actually, I would say I think most salespeople like winning more than more than they hate losing. Because again, you're going to lose a lot. <laughs> but for me, yeah, it's, it's I hate losing. Yeah, I, I still... And I've been thinking about this question for like 7 years now. I still don't know if I have a good answer for it. Because damn, I love it when I win. I really hate it when I lose though. Yeah, I don't care whether it's a video game, sports, or a deal. Like, and maybe I'm a little bit more okay with hearing no in sales, and I, I don't take it personally. But man, like, I just, I think like they're both equally awesome and awful in, in the same regard. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm always curious as I talk to different folks as I think about that. Any other parting words of wisdom or thoughts that you think would be helpful as our sellers try and think about either leading a team or really being at the top of their game and maintaining their performance to be the absolute best it can be? Any other thoughts or nuggets of wisdom you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, I think I think the final thing I would say is whether you are a sales leader, an individual contributor, new to sales, aspiring growth, whatever it may be. Try to keep yourself in that in that flow state as much as you can, right? Don't don't get too rattled. Focus on what you can control. Identify ways that you can help yourself control those things. And you know, the nice thing about being in sales is you are tied to a metric. People will notice you when you're successful, right? You don't always need to be going out of your way advocating for yourself. Let your performance show and figure out how you can perform. Uh, ultimately, people aren't going to notice you because you were the loudest or because you were the, you know, because you spearheaded this project. They're going to notice your results. So find ways to drive results within your organization, no matter what level you're at, and get out of your own head to let yourself do that. I love that. I think those are all really, really fantastic points. And if anybody wants to follow you any anywhere that's... Uh place to find you, maybe connect on LinkedIn, Jake Shapiro, or stumbling around San Francisco. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Jake Shapiro, S-C-H-A-P-I-R-O. Just shoot me a note that, you know, hey, you heard me on the podcast and you'd love to connect. And that's probably the best place to find me. Once uh, everything settles down in San Francisco, you can probably find me and my dog, Hugo, that Jordan mentioned out at Baker Beach. We tend to pop by Fool's Errand. They're a bar in the neighborhood. They're also struggling right now. So if you happen to be in the area, they've got cans to go and, and they'd love your business. Support the local businesses, man. Well, thank you so much, Jake. Really appreciate it. Glad to have you on. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom. And until next time, happy selling. Absolutely, man. Take care. 